Okay, I guess now I can preach, okay? <laughs> Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses, but I really just want to stop at one uh, verse. Um, we're going to stop at only verse 14. I think it's page 1747 in the blue Bibles that you have in the pews. But if it's wrong, don't quote me for it. All right, Romans chapter 1. We're going to stop at verse uh, 14, but um, yeah, let's read verse 14 to 17, but really we're going to stop on verse 14 more. Um, here is what Paul told the church in Romans, okay? I am a debtor, both to Greeks and barbarians, and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, for as much as in me I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. So, um... Paul, in the context that we were just reading here, was talking about the gospel and his attitude toward sharing the gospel. And it really struck me what he said in verse 14 here when he said, I am a debtor. And the NIV says, I'm under obligation. I'm obligated both to the Greek and to the barbarians. The Greek are the smart people of his time. And uh, Barbarians are the foreigners, the, the rude ones, in other words. Uh, the Greek and the barbarians, the wise and the unwise. What Paul was saying here, as far as his attitude concerns when it comes to the gospel, is, is not that he is getting to share the gospel with the lost. He's saying that he owes the gospel to the lost. He says, I owe the gospel to everyone, regardless of how educated or well-educated they are, how rich, how poor, how they look, if they're black, white, whatever color they are, I owe the gospel to them. I am a debtor to everyone. And that's a big spin on our attitude, if we want to think about it, of how we share the gospel. We, you and I, don't get to share the gospel with people. According to Paul, we owe the gospel to people. And that's a big difference. You're following me? Let me ask you. If you owe something to someone, what is your options? Can you return it or you can't? What's your option at this point? You have to return it. Do you have the freedom not to return it? No. Why? Because you are a debtor. You owe that money. I used to work in retail pharmacy for five years. And every single day when I'm on the way back home, I call my wife and tell her, I hate this job. But guess what? Next morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm up, dressed, where I'm going? To the job that I absolutely hate it. Why? Because I have bills at the end of the, the month, correct? And it doesn't matter if I like what I do or not. I have bills, I have debt, and because of that, I have to go, I have to work, I have to make the money. It doesn't matter if I like it or not, I have to do it, right? 
And this is what Paul was saying here. Saying that when I share the gospel, it's not that I'm doing something great or I'm doing an act of extreme kindness that I don't have to do. Paul is saying that I owe the gospel. I must share the gospel. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. I owe the gospel to every single dying soul. And that's exactly what he told the Corinthians as well in 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 17. I read that scripture for you. Here's what Paul said. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to post off. There's nothing that I can brag about when I go and preach the gospel and share the gospel with people. Why? For the necessity is laid upon me. The necessity is laid upon me. Yes. Woe to me. Should I wait for you guys? I was just reading. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 17. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for the necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. I am damned, he's saying, if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do it willingly, I have a reward. If I go out and share the gospel and preach it with a good heart, I know at the end I'm going to receive a reward. But look at the rest of that verse. He says, but if against my will, like even if I don't like it, even if I'm dragging myself to go to share the gospel with people that I don't even want to talk to, even if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. I have been committed with a responsibility. I have to do it whether I like it or not. Because he knew that he is a debtor, and that he owes the gospel to people. It doesn't matter who they are, he owes them the gospel. I have to tell you, if we, I know we don't like door-to-doors and it's culturally unacceptable, but if we go door-to-door in every single household in Fairfax County, in Washington, D.C. area, and they slam the door in our face, every single one of them, and reject us and call us every single name in the book, We go back home and guess what? We're barely doing what is expected for us. That we are to go out and tell people about Jesus. Amen? That was Paul's attitude. Right now I just want to show you how this theme, how Paul believed that he owes the gospel to people, ran through his life, all his life. But I'm going to highlight three areas in his life, okay? I'm going to show you how he felt that he's obligated to share the gospel and how that affected his prayer life. That's number one. Number two, his zeal for the lost. And number three, in enduring persecution. Okay? So three areas that belief that Paul had that he owes the gospel to people affected him very greatly. Let's name them again. Number one, in his prayer life. Okay? Number two, in his zeal for the lost. And number three, in enduring persecution. Let's start number one with his prayer life. Here is what he told the Romans again in chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. He was crying out to God and praying for the children of Israel that they might be saved because they're lost. Now, when Paul said, I'm praying for the lost, okay, that's different than what you and I can expect of what is a prayer for the lost is. Let me show you this other scripture that is in Galatians. I, have, I can give you all these references later if you want to. Um, 
I'm just going to read through it real quick because we have a lot of scripture. Galatians 4.19. This is what he told the Galatians. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. He's telling the Galatians, I labor in birth again the second time so that Christ can be formed in you. Question. When do you think Paul labored in birth the first time for the Galatians? When they're about to be saved. Paul, so many times in his writing, using birthing or giving birth as an equal to leading somebody to the Lord. He told the Corinthians, he said, you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers, for I have begotten you through the gospel. He's saying, I'm your father. I birthed you when you became Christians. And he told Philemon, he told him about Onesimus, his slave. He said, I ask you about your servant, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my chains. I birthed him when I was chained through the gospel. So Paul talks a lot about leading people to Christ, that it's a birthing process. And that's what he's telling the Galatians here. He's saying, I labored in birth on your behalf so you can become Christian the first time and now I'm still praying and laboring in birth for you the second time so that Christ can be formed in you, so Christ can be manifested fully in you. Now, I some of you are ladies who give birth before. I have seen my wife giving birth. She, with Micah and with Kasia. With Kasia, she had an epidural, so it was really not counting, you know. But with Micah. She start contractions on Sunday, 9-1, September the 1st, at almost 10 o'clock in the morning. And her contraction would come every five minutes, very strong. And then she did that for 24 hours, like almost till 8 o'clock or roughly 6 o'clock next morning. Can't remember exact times. But almost 20 or 22 hours almost. She had that contractions every five minutes from the get-go, every five minutes painful contractions. She couldn't eat and she couldn't sleep the whole night, 24 hours, no, no food, no sleep, painful contractions every five minutes. And you would think that should be enough, right? No. After that, she had to push for two hours to get Micah out of her belly. It was so painful. It was hurtful just to watch her in that much pain. I almost, at the very end, you know, I just wanted the doctor to... Just give her a C-section or something because it's just too hard to watch my wife going through that much pain. It was so painful. When Micah came out of her womb, the very first thought that came to my, my mind for the very first second is this. You little punk, how dare you put my wife in so much pain? <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, I don't like you right now. <laughs> Obviously, that lasted only for a second. But yeah. But this is what I'm talking about. It was so painful. And this is the level of intensity. This scripture came to mind for me afterward. And I'm like, if Paul is expecting us to pray with that level of intensity for people to come into the kingdom of God, that we have to labor with that intensity so people can be saved, no wonder nobody's getting saved. We pray for like five minutes. Hey, Lord, if you can get people saved, it would be good. If not, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, it doesn't work this way, friends. When Paul prayed for the lost, he was laboring in birth for them so they can become Christian. Why? Why would anybody pray that intense? You know why? Because Paul knew that he is a debtor. 
He owes the gospel to them. And he'll do whatever it takes if he has to prevail in prayers on their behalf so they can be Christians. He'll go for it and he'll do it. This is the kind of prayer that God wants us to pray so we can actually see a move of him. Okay? I'll take a second here. You might say, well, I'm an introvert person. I just don't pray this way. I don't express myself this way. Here's my one thing that, my one thought that I want to leave out to you guys. Just make sure, just make sure that you're not using your personality type as an excuse or cover up for your lack of zeal for the lost. That's all what I wanted to tell you, okay? If, if you're an introvert, this is how you pray, that's fine. But just, you know your heart. I don't know your heart, okay? And just make sure that this is not your excuse for not really praying. But you might ask, okay, so how do I know if it's an excuse, if it's real? Here is a, just a way. Um, let's say you're sick or your parent is really sick. Personally, for each one of you, I want you to think about this. Your, your parent or your child is really desperately sick. Or you lost your job and you need money, you have to get a job ASAP. How do you pray for that desperate situation? Do you just go to your room and sit down and you know, just meditate and very quietly, don't open your mouth, don't make any noises. If that's who you are, that's who you are. But if that's not who you are, and in desperate situation, you find ways to express yourself to God, and you don't do that when it comes to praying for the lost, then guess what? This is not just your personality. There is a lack of zeal for, and a lack of brokenness for, for the lost, and we need to repent of that, and we need to ask God to come and change our hearts. Amen? So, Paul, he knew that he is a debtor, and that reflected in his prayer life. Number two, it also showed up in his zeal for the loss, his zeal for the gospel. Look what he told the Romans again in uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 5. Here is what he said. I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. And my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could, I wish, for I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren. He said, I wish I, I didn't, I wasn't a Christian myself. I was away from Christ so they can be Christian. You guys remember two weeks ago we talked about, or a week ago, we talked about God's judgment and hell and how it looks like. Paul, in a way, was saying, if it's up to me, I wish I'd go to that place so they don't have to. This is how jealous he was for people to be saved. He said, I wish I was accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pretend the adoptions, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally, uh, eternally blessed God forever. Amen. This is what he said. It's like... I have grief and continual sorrow in my heart because they don't know Jesus. I want to see people getting saved, but I'm nowhere close to that. Like, it's just like, wow, when you read what Paul was saying here. Continual grief that he even wished that he didn't know Christ himself so other sinners will get to know Christ. Look also what he told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 22. 
For though, this is amazing. Look at his attitude toward the lost. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. He's like, I don't owe nobody nothing. I don't need to be anything. But I made myself a servant of, to all. Why? That I might win the more. That I might win the more. Paul was the latest evangelist, missionary, apostle of the church at that time. He had seen so many people getting saved. But Paul never was happy with whom he led to the Lord. He always was thinking about whom he needs to lead to the Lord. He never looked upon what he has accomplished. He always was looking and focusing on what needs to be accomplished. He said, I don't care what I'm going to be. I'm going to be servant of all that I might win the more. The more. Paul was very greedy when it came to soul. He will not stop. He still wants one more soul. One more person to get saved. He will witness a massive revival. Tons of people will get saved. And he will still be like, I still want one more. I still want more people to be saved. And there is a lie. I'm telling you, it's a deception of the enemy that is going around. Promoted by ministers and pastors even. I know they mean well. But it's a lie that says numbers don't matter. Friends, listen to me. Numbers do matter. You know why? Because every single number is a soul that Christ loved and died for. I'm so glad this morning that Paul didn't think that numbers don't matter. That he would have led 5, 10 people to the Lord or 20 people to the Lord and pastored them till he died. And didn't care about the rest because numbers didn't matter for him. If that was his attitude, you and I will probably will not be Christian today. But it is his zeal that he want to see more and more and more people getting saved. That led him to see so many people getting saved. Because he knew that he's a debtor and that he owes the gospel to them. Listen to what he says. I became everything to all men that I might win the more. And to the Jew I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who, who were under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law. Even though not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that by all means I can save some. Wow. Why? Why would anybody put up with that attitude? Because he knew that he is a debtor. He's under obligation to share the gospel. He didn't care how they mistreated him. He said, I became everything to every man that by all means I might win some. Wow. Look, look to how he evangelized in Athens. That's in, in Acts 17, 17. Listen to what the scripture says about him. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers. So every Sunday or every weekend he goes to the synagogue, preach, okay? But listen to that. And in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there. Well, this is the greatest preacher of his time, okay? He probably goes to a synagogue and there is crowds of people already gathering to, to listen to him. And what does he do on a day-to-day basis? He goes to the marketplace. And he reasons with those daily who happen to be there. Paul will be that kind of a guy that you find at the, at the, at the mall or at the bus stop or whatever. And he's just trying to share with whoever happened to be there the gospel. Why, Paul? I mean, 
You're respected, you're known, you're loved, and crowds come together to hear you. Just rest throughout the week now. Why? Because he knew that he is a debtor and that he owes the gospel to every single dying soul. Listen to what he said about his way of evangelism in Ephesus in, in Acts 20.31. Therefore watch, he's, he's telling the leader of the church. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He didn't say I warned some or I'm going to only work with them people and I'm going to let them go evangelize. You know, evangelism is not my job really. I'm the the chief apostle of the church, I don't need to get my hand dirty, you know, but I'm just going to equip a bunch of Christians and have them go evangelize. Paul didn't think this way. He's like, watch my example. I warned every single soul. He stayed in Ephesus, I think, for three years. And he said, I warned everyone with tears, day and night. It doesn't matter what time of the day. If you work in the morning shift, guess what? I'm, I'm coming to see you at night. Because he knew that he is a debtor and that he owes the gospel to every single dying soul. I feel so belittled talking about him, you know, like, wow. No wonder he was used of God. No wonder God used him to do mighty things. All right, so what did we share about so far? We said that he knew that he's a debtor and that reflected so far two areas in his prayer life. And number two, in his zeal for the lost or in his zeal for the gospel. Amen? Let's move to number three, in enduring persecution. Listen to what he told the Corinthians as well in, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 29. Okay? So there are some false preachers, some false teachers in the church, and Paul is comparing himself to them, and he's saying, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. He's now mentioning what he endured for the gospel. In laborers more, in laborers more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in death often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in pearls of waters, in pearl of robbers, in pearl of my countrymen, in pearls of the Gentiles, in pearls in the city, in pearls in the wilderness, in pearls in the sea, in pearls among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Above everything that I'm concerned about daily. Listen to verse 28. Beside the other things that comes upon me daily. My deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak. Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation. Why Paul? Why would you ever endure the prison, the stoning, the shipwreck, the beating, the pearls, the toil, the sleeplessness, the hunger, the thirst, the fasting, the nakedness, and the cold? Why would you ever endure that? Who would want to live this kind of life? Paul say, I will. Why, Paul? Because I am a debtor. I owe the gospel to the lost, and I don't care what it's going to take for me to share the gospel with every single dying soul. I'll do it. Listen to what he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 8-9. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, 
was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Listen to this. For which, for the sake of the gospel, I suffer trouble as an evildoer even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. It's like, I don't care if I'm chained as long as the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I endure all things for the sake of those who need to know the gospel, for the sake of those who are elect, so they can have eternal gospel, receive the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Wow. It's just amazing. Uh, His attitude. And no wonder God used him. No wonder he'd seen God working like never before. We are all very short compared to what God is wanting us to do, okay? Let's all close our eyes and stand up for a minute and let's all pray. Let's all pray.